0: There are more active cell phone and wireless plans than there are Americans. Estimates for 2020 find that there are currently 448 million wireless subscriber connections. This includes everything from watches to tablets, our cell phones, all the devices that we use to communicate with one another. This year, wireless subscribers will pay approximately $11.3 billion in taxes, fees, and government surcharges to state and local governments. $11.3 billion. Over the course of the past 13 years, the taxes, fees, and surcharges wireless customers have paid has increased from 15.10% to 25.96% today for the average bill. For a service that a majority of Americans use, the fees and taxes being paid are only continuing to increase. But what are we actually getting from these taxes? More spam and robocalls? Not to mention, are they helping us stay connected? Is the way we tax our wireless lives actually effective? Welcome to The Deduction, a Tax Foundation podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Solis, Media Relations Manager here at the Tax Foundation. Today, I'm joined by my colleague, America's leading excise tax expert, Ulrich Bozen. Ulrich, thanks for joining me, man. Thank you, Jesse. And I think to your point about robocalls,
1: I mean, I think we can all agree that a very large tax should be levied on those in particular. I know that I get a bunch of calls about Car insurance that I currently don't have and supposedly is about to expire. Um, so, <laughs> as much as as much as we don't want to <laughs> overtax a lot of these activities that we discuss on these podcasts, I think robocalls is one where we can all agree a very high tax should be levied on those.
0: I mean, at least at least three thousand dollars per robocall should be taxed. That's, I think that's a, that seems fair. It's a fair starting point. When's the last time you picked up a robocall accidentally? Yesterday. Yesterday. Yep. Wow. It's been a minute for me, but. Anyway, um, so like the old, the old saying goes, if it moves, tax it. I'm no physicist, but I think most Americans would agree with me that I don't consider wireless activity something that moves, you know. But it's something that's being taxed, and it's being taxed heavily. Bird's eye view, what exactly are families paying when they get their cell phone bills every single month?
1: So it very much depends on where they live. American families pay a number of levies and fees on wireless services. Most of them are determined by states and localities. There are some federal fees, uh, mainly the Federal Universal Service Fund charge, but families mostly pay state sales taxes, local sales taxes, state gross receipts taxes, local gross receipts taxes. There are some states that levy special wireless excise tax fees like telecommunications taxes or telecommunications privilege taxes. It's a question that's hard to answer because it's basically 50 different answers based on where in the country you live.
0: And often, too, those state and local taxes aren't as large or at least as, you know, as significant of number as you see on your federal taxes each year but of all those fees, the many that are out there, how much are Americans paying for wireless taxes? So on
1: average if we take a typical American household that maybe have a family share plan and they pay about a hundred bucks a month for what's called taxable wireless service. so your voice plan and we'll get to why that's important in a little bit. but if they pay hundred bucks for their wireless service, their voice plan, they pay about $300 a year in taxes and fees, and that's up from $270 last year. So it's quite a significant increase, and it's quite a significant amount of money. So 100 bucks a month, that's 1200 a year. Out of that $300 is taxes, fees, and surcharges. That's 25%.
0: That's pretty significant. I get a phone bill every month, and maybe I'm special, but mine's always different. It's around the same number, but it's a different price every month for some reason. But if you were really to tell me, and when I talk to other you know, people, family, friends about budget too. We all agree our cell phone is it's an item that we always pay for because we kinda have to. I would be lost without my cell phone. But if you told me I could save forty bucks a year, I would take you up on that for my cell phone bill. But this is something that we're paying in taxes every single year for these plans.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's I think it's gone from maybe a decade ago was maybe two decades ago. Wireless service was still relatively new and not as much of a necessity as it is today. But the vast majority of American households rely on wireless service. This is not a. It would be great if we could afford wireless service. This is if we need to be able to afford wireless service, uh, and I think as everything else, uh, last year really showed us how dependent we are on our ability to connect with each other, even if we can't meet in person. And wireless service is obviously a major part of that. So this is really taxes and fees on necessities, uh, more so than on leisurely consumption.
0: And not even, you know, just people using wireless services. The government in many ways relies on it too. We both live in DC. We all see our Capitol Hill staffer friends carrying their two phones around all the time. I was that happy warrior for two years, which is why, you know, there are more wireless plans out there than simply Americans. Um, so last week, Ulrich, you had this eye popping report come out on our website. Titled Excise Taxes and Fees on Wireless Services Increase Again in 2021. I I learned a lot reading it. I learned a lot reading all your stuff. It's true of everyone at the Tax Foundation, especially your stuff. But I never realized that we're paying a 911 tax. Maybe that's common knowledge. That's something I did not know for sure. I don't want to call 911 but I'm glad I have that service, that it's ready. So that's a fee that I now realize I pay, then I'm kind of okay paying. But what other fees are out there that we're paying our wireless plans that people might not be aware of?
1: Yeah, so I think I'll I'll start with the 911 fee because this is a a good example of of what we at the Tax Foundation approve of when it comes to these special taxes or excise taxes or or fees. This is a, a fee and a tax that pretty well respects the benefit principle. So when you have a phone, one of the important functionalities of a phone is that you can call for help if you need it. We all really want to be able to call 911 if we need to. Mm -hmm. Now, it's not free to run 911 services. You have to have people there 24-7 ready to grab the phone and get help to you quickly. Now, this money is supposed to pay for that service. That's why it respects the benefit principle. There are, unfortunately, a number of states, and each year the FCC does a little report and looks: Do the states actually spend the uh, revenue from the nine one one fees on nine one one services? And every year,
0: FCC being the Federal
1: Communications Commission, correct? That is correct. Yep. And every year, unfortunately, they find that some states like to divert a little bit of the revenue for other spending priorities. Um, This is really money that should be going to nine one one services, and if they collect too much, they should lower the fee, not divert the revenue to other spending priorities. Now on. On top of the 911 fee, as I alluded to in the beginning, uh, states and localities really differ. Most states will levy the general sales tax on wireless plans. That is perfectly appropriate. It is consumption. The general sales tax should tax consumption. And that's about $5 billion a year. The remaining $6 billion out of the 11 that you mentioned in the beginning, those are special taxes and fees, 911 fees being one of them. Then you have something called state universal service funds. That is a large number of states that have a low fee, normally per line, normally per month that you pay into when you have a phone plan. And that fund will then spend money on expanding broadband or making internet available at public libraries or schools or hospitals and things like that. So that's one of the ways that states try to expand access to wireless services and have everyone who have wireless plans pitch in. The last kind of tax and the worst kind of tax is local privilege taxes. So they're normal, normally gross receipts taxes. And they're levied on your bill as a percentage of what you're paying just for the privilege of being able to have a phone plan. Normally that money will go straight into the general fund. Um, there's not really any good reason for that other than revenue. Uh, and this is a very narrow tax, so one that we would have advised law- lawmakers to stay away from when they look for revenue.
0: And I, I know in the last Congress, maybe the last Congress or two Congresses ago, but they established 988, the suicide hotline. I'm not sure if it's up and running yet, uh, but that they designed a tax with that as well. It, yeah, it kind of works like the 911 fee, where states can levy a
1: 988 fee, like the 911 fee, to fund 988 services. So that is correct. That is a relatively new fee, and I don't think states have yet to implement it. Maybe one or two have, but but the majority haven't yet.
0: Okay, so what we're getting at there's a lot of excise taxes involved with wireless plans. And It's probably fair to call them most excise taxes, if you will. Wireless doesn't just stop with our phones. We could argue that Netflix, Hulu, those are wireless services as well. We're not picking up DVDs anymore. Are we seeing these kind of taxing trends elsewhere in the wireless space?
1: Yes, and I think this whole development, and I I wanna take a step back here to talk a little bit about what we pay for when we pay for our wireless plans. So when you go down to Verizon or T-Mobile or whoever you have as a wireless provider, you will be paying for normally voice services, and data services as of last year the average bill is pretty much 50 50 voice 50 50 data so the average bill is about 35 dollars about 17 dollars 5 go to your voice plan and 17 and a half goes to data states and the federal government and localities cannot tax data there is a thing called the internet tax freedom act which prohibits any taxation of internet um, access This is one of the reasons that we see taxes go up every year is because more and more of your plan every year is going to be data-based because you use your voice services less and you use your data more. I mean, you could do data calls, data messaging. You can call through WhatsApp or Facebook or whatever you want to choose. You don't need to call through your phone plan.
0: I mean, even you and I during soccer games on Saturday, we only talked over Slack. We don't even text each other. Exactly,
1: and this is this is the way the world is moving. And since they're prohibited from taxing that portion, they keep increasing taxes on the portion that they can tax, which is your voice plan. So that's one of the reasons we're seeing increasing rates every year. Now, to go back to what you mentioned before, is other wireless or other digital services like Netflix and Hulu. These are examples, just like how we use more data than voice, of a modernized consumption behavior. Like we have changed our consumption over the last decade. And the tax code has not really been updated to keep up with that. So states and localities in the digital entertainment space have normally relied on right away taxes. So basically, back in the day, a cable company would come out, put in cable, run it to your house, and you could then pay them to watch television and movies and things like that. Today, you don't need any of that. So you've cut the cord because you want to save some money, and then you get a Netflix subscription, and you get a (laughs) Peacock subscription, and you get a Hulu subscription, and you get a Disney Plus subscription, and you get an ESPN Plus subscription, Mm -hmm. and you haven't saved any money at the end of the day. But now you don't have cable anymore. States and localities lost a bunch of revenue in that transaction because they used to tax the cable company. Now they want to tax Netflix. They want to tax Hulu. They want to tax Spotify. They want to tax all these guys. But they can't because they don't use the right-of-way because they don't need cables. So they've gone through the courts to try and force them to pay the cable taxes. And there are certain clear differences between these two examples, but they both are telling a story of how Americans have changed the way we consume and how the tax code is completely outdated and how localities and states and sometimes the federal government are scrambling to keep up with these changes so that their revenue
0: can stay stable. And even like private sector trends, I think all the major networks have adopted or are adopting streaming services. It seems almost weekly, you know, a peacock wasn't even a thing. I don't think a few months ago and now I'm paying for it. I kind of, I kind of pay for all of them. Maybe that's on me. Yeah. But I, I, <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, they've been, they've been clever. So, you know, I like to watch soccer, which is mm-hmm. so I need Peacock Plus. But then some of the tournaments are on Paramount Plus, And then some of it's on ESPN Plus. So I need all three of those to follow my team. And then yeah. I do like movies and shows. So I also have Netflix. Um, and then you just go from there. And then I like mm-hmm. music. So Spotify is an addition. And it's um, the, the idea of us saving a bunch of money from getting rid of cable. I think we're past that. And now we're just paying the same companies to watch
0: their programs online instead of via the cable. And I somehow, not even somehow, I fall behind on every show I start. So sticking to this excise tax topic, you know it better than most. Some excise taxes carry merit. They do what they're supposed to do. Others do not at all. And in the wireless world, which ones would you say have a decent design?
1: Yeah, so there's a few. As we already mentioned, the 911 fees is a good fee. Makes a lot of sense. I'm sure most taxpayers are happy to pay for 911 services. Sales taxes, perfectly appropriate. Um, I know they're not always popular, but they're a good source of revenue for states and localities. Where it gets a more dicey is when we have these very narrow kind of strange privilege taxes. Like D.C. has a telecommunications privilege tax of 10%. So for people who live in the district, they pay 10% of their, of their bill and taxes to the district for the privilege of buying a wireless plan. Uh, that makes a lot less sense than the other taxes. So it's very important when we talk about excise taxes that there is a clear connection between what we're taxing and what we're spending the money on or between what we're taxing and some societal cost or negative externality. So the examples that I like to use is we pay the gas tax to pay for the roads. It's a pretty good proxy to say, if I buy a bunch of gas, I'm probably going to be driving a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. That's a good user fee. there's a clear connection.
0: Or you are just mowing your lawn. 40 times a
1: day. that would This is true. That could be an option. But most likely, most likely, I'll be on the road. Um, and then the other, the excise tax that make a lot of sense is when you have a product that carries some harm. So cigarettes is the obvious example. There's a lot of negative externalities associated with smoking. So we tax that to recover some of that cost. Those are sort of the easy to understand examples of how excise taxes should work. That's kind of how the 911 fee works. You know, there's a clear connection between what we're paying for and what we're getting. There is no clear connection between a privilege tax on telecommunications and some government service that we get. There is no connection there. And that's an easy way to look at these things. If you don't know what you're getting from your tax, it probably shouldn't be an excise tax.
0: And overall, it seems like we're dealing with a pretty regressive set of taxes here. Would you say that's fair? I think that is fair. I mean, take 911, for example. Hypothetically, it's going to work the same for a millionaire who got in a helicopter crash in Idaho compared to a Guy coaching soccer in a New York City park on a weekend. Who kid got a broken thumb or something? You know.
1: Yeah, and that's true, but I don't think that's necessarily a problem. Um, Mm -hmm. that everyone pays a a similar amount of money to these services. I think it becomes a bigger problem when we consider the whole tax burden. So as I said in the beginning, about 25% of the bill is taxes, if we look at the taxable portion. Now in some states that's much higher, in some states that's a little bit lower. But this, as we've also talked about, is not leisurely consumption. This is not necessarily a choice. I would like to have a wireless plan. This is oftentimes a I must have a wireless plan. Because of that, it becomes more regressive. So since everyone needs to buy it and people making less money will have to spend more of their income buying it because they have less disposable income that's what really makes it regressive, right? They're, they're spending more of their income on wireless services. So naturally, they're spending more of their income on taxes on wireless services. It's much easier for someone who's making a million dollars to pay 300 bucks a year in wireless taxes than someone making 15,000 a year. That, that much is clear. So I don't think this is necessarily an argument against levying taxes on these kinds of things, but it is a good argument for why they shouldn't be overdone, um, because it is a burden that falls most heavily on people making less money. So you want to make sure that your rates are not too high, that you're not eliminating someone's access to these services because they need these services. So, yes, you can obviously tax these things like 911 fee is good, general sales taxes are good. But anytime they're looking to these narrow based services for additional revenue for completely unrelated spending priorities or for the general fund, that's when it becomes a little more problematic because that's when the regressivity should be a concern for lawmakers. Don't go asking people who can least afford it to pay more in taxes. There are better places to look.
0: We've alluded to the variety discrepancies among states for what. Taxes over here. I don't want to single out anybody here at the Tax Foundation, but what the heck is going on with Illinois? Those numbers for Illinois just shocked me reading your report. Yeah, Illinois. Unfortunately,
1: is rarely uh, doing a stellar job when it comes to state taxes. So they have four different taxes and fees. They have their state telecom excise tax. This is one of the excise taxes that we discussed before, a very narrow excise tax is only levied on telecommunications. Then they have what's called a simplified municipal tax. That's their general sales tax. That one makes sense. Then they have their wireless 911 fee. And the thing about Illinois, and particularly Chicago, is that it is exceedingly high. in Chicago. Chicago, it is five dollars a month per line, so you'll be paying quite a bit of money in nine one one fees, and then they have an additional fee of two cents per line per month. But all those things just add up, and you you end up with a with a tax bill over twenty percent of the total bill, and over thirty percent if you just look at the taxable portion of that bill. So it's quite significant.
0: I was trying to find some sort of trend too, looking through the states, but it seems pretty random for which states are. Loving higher ones compared to which ones are loving lower ones. I mean, Illinois, they tend to be high tax in general, but not every state with high wireless tax is, is considered, I think, a high tax state by most definitions.
1: No, that's absolutely true. And I think part of it is you're going to be a general tax mix. Right, So states that rely more on consumption taxes could potentially have higher taxes on wireless services as well. So if you have a higher general sales tax, you're going to have a higher tax on wireless services, for instance. But it, there is no clear pattern. Uh, it looks more like random historical developments, like they, the state ended up here because they ended up here. Um, there's no real regional comparison. So you might think that some of the states with a lot of open space, for instance, where it would be expensive to build out broadband and things like that would have higher taxes. That's not necessarily the case. You may think that cities that may need a lot of 911 services would have much higher 911 fees than everywhere else. That's not outside of Chicago necessarily the case. So it's not that easy to determine the particular patterns. And I think that kind of shows one of the other things that I wanted to bring up today. And one of the reasons that we do the report is very few people know about these taxes. And even if you look at your bill, you're gonna have a hard time figuring out exactly how much you're paying in taxes. These taxes are not very transparent and the way that they are Communicated to you by your wireless provider is not easy to understand. Oftentimes, you'll have a line item just saying taxes, fees, and surcharges, and you don't know which of those are government mandated. If your provider is charging you a fee to collect the tax, if they're levying the sales tax on top of some of the excise taxes or on top of the 911 fee. So, it's very difficult for a regular person to know exactly how much they're paying in wireless taxes. So, that's why we like to do this report so people can understand. How much are they paying? And so they can make sure that they're getting the services
0: that they should be getting in
1: return for that money.
0: Does it have to be this complex? Is there just a way to make this easier for people? I think there is. If states would... Not an our explanation in their tax bill, I should I should clarify.
1: Taxes are complicated, um, but there there are certainly ways to make it simpler. Um, and more neutral. And I think getting away from gross receipts and excise taxes that don't have any real reason to be there would be a a good step because then you're left with a 911 fee that's oftentimes a flat fee per line per month. That's pretty easy for people to understand. And you're left with the general sales tax, which people are used to paying. Um, And then you may be left with a universal service fund charge, um, depending on what state you live in. Those are fairly simple taxes to understand. I think people get more confused when there's such a thing as a telecommunications excise tax of 7.3%. Like, where did that come from? Where the, where's that money going? I think if you see a, a line item on your bill saying 911, you're going to know where that money is going. Uh, so I think better tax policy is just often more simple and more neutral and more transparent. So, both from a transparency point of view, but also from a sound tax policy point of view, I think those two things would go together well, making it easier for consumers to understand.
0: Mark, I'm not going to lie. I've enjoyed this conversation with you today. What are we working on next? What can we get the people to look forward to from you in the future?
1: There's plenty of things on the way. Um, I think one of the things we would like to to talk about in the, in the near future is sports betting taxes. Um, sports betting is a relatively new trend uh, after the Supreme Court overturned the, the federal ban in 2018.
0: On my metro right here, I saw multiple advertisements for sports betting in the district.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you watch sports now, all the uh, commercial breaks are for DraftKings and Caesars and and things like that. So even though it's three years old only, it's exploded. It's everywhere now. Um, And about half the states have legalized and are taxing it. Uh, And again, one of these things where it's not super easy to understand how much of your bet is actually taxes. Um, It's also not a lot of people that know that how much they have to pay in taxes on their winnings or how it works with withholding federal withholding, state withholding, and things like that. So those are some things we would like to delve into, talk a little bit more about. I'm also looking at some other excise taxes that I'm hoping to, to publish uh, some information about. Right now, I'm writing a, a blog post on nicotine taxes. There's a there's a federal bill that passed the House Ways and Means and House Budget Committee a few weeks back that includes a, a tobacco tax increase and a whole new nicotine tax. So we're looking at how these new taxes would impact prices in, in a number of states and in impact consumers directly because that's not always clear from federal legislative language how, what that exactly means if you're in Nevada. So we're trying to translate that so the consumers can see if this passes next time I go to get my tobacco and nicotine product, I'll be paying this much more.
0: And on sports betting too, there is a uh, popular show on Netflix right now where there's some of that involved, but I won't say that in case people are not on that episode yet. or how can people find you on Twitter?
1: So my handle is at Boson. It's U B O E S E N. Um, please click and follow, and send me DMs if you have questions. It's DM. And I will say I watched the last episode of that show yesterday at like 1:30 a.m. because I couldn't turn it
0: off. I almost did too. I was <laughs> I was close, but I'm a, I'm usually to bed by 10:30. I'm one of those kind of people. Um, yeah, but you can find all support on cell phone and wireless taxes at more at taxfoundation.org. If you like this podcast, feel free to shoot us a note too at taxfoundation.org podcast. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time on The Deduction.